Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Good morning, buenos dias, and hello, how are you out there in live stream and podcast land? What a joy that I get to share God's word with you today. And you can follow along the outline of today's message as usual through the Bible app. Look for it in the Bible app, Encounter Church in the Bible app. Or if you prefer a printed outline, you can grab one uh, from the box in the back. As we continue with this year's theme, Christology, come on together. Let's declare Revelation 1, 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Apocalipsis 1.8 dice así, yo soy el Alpha y la Omega, el principio y el fin. Because Jesus is the beginning and the end, this year as we read through the Bible, we've almost there, we've almost done it. As we've been reading through the Bible together, we are finding Jesus from cover. Este año estamos descubriendo a Jesucristo De principio a fin, because Jesus is the reason why, right? He's God's word. He's God's logos. He's God's reason. He's God's everything. The whole purpose of the Bible is to find Jesus, to know Jesus. And that's what we are after this year. Question, what is your favorite Old Testament Bible story? And maybe some of you aren't really familiar with the Bible. That, that's okay, but I bet you've heard some stories, right? I bet most of us, come on, shout, me, shout out to me your favorite Old Testament Bible story. Okay, that was good. You know, I heard what I thought I would hear, okay? Today, we're going to read about a story that most kids say is their favorite. In fact, this story, even many people that aren't really Christians, they would know this story. Most of the people in the world that have at least had some sort of exposure to the Bible know this story. Where are we going today? I bet you can guess. David and Goliath, right? David and Goliath. And as we continue, you know, this story today is going to speak to us as we're going to find Jesus through this story, but also this is going to speak a lot into what we just witnessed, the ordination of fivefold ministry gifts. And so this is sort of a two, uh, two-edged sword, this message, if you will. So as we continue to find Jesus through the Old Testament, we've come to the kings and the prophets, right? If you've been with us, that's where we've been. We've entered the, the part of history that's the kings and the prophets. And last week we learned to find Christ through the life of the first prophet, Samuel. Very good. And we, we learned about uh, finding Jesus through the life of Samuel. And we know that Samuel serves God and Israel faithfully his entire long life. But then, come on, say, but then. Dun, dun, dun. Instead of being led by God himself and his prophets... Israel asked the prophet Samuel to give them a king so that they can be like everybody else. Come on, tell your neighbor. If you find yourself just wanting to be like everybody else, that's not a good spot to be in. 
And it certainly wasn't for Israel, but guess what? They insisted, even though Samuel warned them, God told Samuel to tell them, give them this warning. This is what it's going to be like to serve a king instead of serving me, right? Instead of serving God, this is what it's going to be like to serve a king. And they said, we still want a king because we want to be like everybody else. And so guess what God gives them? A king. And in God's immense mercy, he still uses the kings, even many unfaithful ones. Even many wicked ones to lead them, to bless them, and to teach them many things, right? Who remembers the name of the first king? Saul. The first king, Saul, let's just say doesn't work out so well. Long story short, God rejects King Saul because Saul's heart is not faithful to God. And so He chooses a young shepherd to become king. Who are we talking about? A young shepherd, David. Now, David is immensely imperfect. If you hadn't read David's story, read it. He's immensely imperfect. We got any immensely imperfect people out there? There's hope for you. There's hope for me. I'm immensely imperfect. The thing is, even though David is incredibly imperfect, his heart remains faithful to God throughout his life. And unlike most other kings, he never turns to idols. Never. He worships God his whole life, even when he royally screws up. Pun intended. Some of y'all just got it. Okay. And the thing is, God, because of David's faithfulness, gives David a promise. Maybe you remember the promise. He says that a king will always sit on the throne of David. The throne of David. David's throne. And through the next many generations... Even through some incredibly wicked kings, God keeps that promise. Not because they deserve it, but because of the promise he made to David, to King David, because of David's faithful heart to him, God's promise, God's covenant with David. And we know that all of this is really all about bringing forth the perfect king. The one who would be born from the same tribe of David, the tribe of Judah, and the same family line as David. We're talking about the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. King Jesus came through King David. There's some good Christology for you. See, God's promise is not dependent upon our goodness. God's promise is dependent upon his goodness. Our obedience qualifies us in many ways to receive and to experience God's promise. But look at me. God's going to fulfill his promise no matter what you and I do. He can do it with you. And if he don't do it with you, he's going to do it with the next one. Because God is faithful to his promise. Don't worry. I'm not going to hit anybody today. I don't think. Depends on how. I'm going to keep my eye out. Somebody starts to fall asleep. Oh, man, here. I don't normally have a rod, but <sighs> so for that, um, 
just like with the prophet Samuel's life, we can see so many examples of Christ, right, through Samuel. In the same way, if we read through the life of David, there's Jesus through it all. There's so much Christology in the life um, of David. But today, we're going to focus on one of the most famous stories in the Bible. A lot of you shouted it was your favorite. And when I ask kids, they almost always say it's their favorite. Of course, we're talking about David and Goliath. And again, this will speak a lot into today's ordination of those that entered into the fivefold ministry. I want to invite you to open in your Bible to 1 Samuel 17. I'm not going to have the entire chapter for you there, but I do want you to invite you to kind of follow along in your own Bible and your Bible app. The title of today's message is Staff and anybody? Stones. Staff and stones. We ready? All right. Let me give you a little bit of just sort of a summary. So Israel, we, we saw this last week with Samuel, they're in constant conflict with the Philistines. Remember, we saw it on the map, same exact place they're at war today, okay? In conflict, constantly in conflict between Israel and the Philistines. But the Philistines um, have the upper hand because they have this champion called Goliath. And it says that he was over nine feet tall. When I stand next to Andy Goncher, I feel like he's a giant and he's only 6'5". <laughs> only 6'5". When you're 5'6", that feels like a giant, right? I'm almost 5'6". At least I can ride all the roller coasters. All right. Um, finally, now that I'm 42. Um, nine feet tall. He wouldn't, in a lot of our houses, he, he would have to, you know. Not only is he nine feet tall, but he's an experienced, trained warrior. Right? And so Goliath, the, the, the Israel and, and the Philistines kind of draw up their, their lines, their, their battle lines, and the armies face each other. And Goliath comes out every day, and it says, and he taunts them, right? And he defies them. And not the, the, the most important thing is that he's defying Israel. He's defying Israel's God, okay? He's defying Israel's God. And so, you know, David is the youngest of his brothers, and it says that his three oldest brothers are in the army. And so they're there with the army uh, of Israel against the Philistines. And they're part of that army that every single day is being taunted and threatened and defied by Goliath, right? And one day, David's father says, David, are you listening? Thanks for taking care of my sheep. Because David was a shepherd. But I need you to go check up on your brothers. Here's some bread and some cheese. Go take it to them and see how things are going. So David goes out and, you know, he's out there and he's, you know, delivering the bread and cheese. Uber eats David style. And, and uh, he, he sees this giant come out talking about his God challenging, defying his God and threatening his people. And David's like, who does he think he is? Does he not know who God is? 
Does he not know we're the people of God? And he sees all the, you know, even his brothers are like, David, get out of here. His oldest brother's like, you're just prideful and deceitful. You just want to see the battle, right? He's like, I was just asking a question. What's going on here, right? And well, this is what's going on. Goliath has said, if one of us will come out and fight him and beat him, they'll be our slaves. But if not, we have to be their slaves. And David's like, I'll do it. I mean, we're talking about for weeks, no one had stepped up. And we know that David was smaller than his other brothers. Read about it in Samuel. He said, okay, I'll do it. And they're like, "Ah, you're crazy. And they tell Saul. He says, he'll do it. Saul's like, he's like, I'll do it. Who does this uncircumcised Philistine? That's what he calls him. (laughs) Might have a lot of uncircumcised Philistines in the room. Okay. In other words, who does this guy who doesn't have a covenant with God think he is threatening the people who do have a covenant with God? Who does he think he is to defy Yahweh? I'll fight him and I'll beat him. And Saul's like, all righty then. Here's my armor. David tries it on. He's like, no, you're big. I'm little. This is too heavy. Let me do it my way. So, David, now that brings us to verse 40. 1 Samuel 17, 40. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream that's going to be important. Five smooth stones from a stream. We'll come back to that. And put them into his shepherd's bag. I wish I had a shepherd's bag, but I'm going to put them in my in my pocket. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff, not even a sword, and sling, or like a slingshot kind of deal, he took out a stone, and it says, sorry, only with a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine champion, to fight the giant, right? And so he goes out there with his staff and his little cute little rocks, and, and Goliath's like, <laughs> what am I, a dog? I don't know if that's how he talked, but that's just how I imagine. You coming out here and fighting me with sticks and stones like I'm a little dog? And David said, Mm-mm. you come at me, with your big bad self and your big bad sword, but I come up, I come to you in the name of the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies, Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty. So Goliath mocks him, and David says this before we read the next part. Well, Goliath says, I'm going to kill you and feed you to the birds and the wild animals. And David's like, 
Nah, bro. I'm going to kill you and feed your big butt to the birds and the wild animals. Isn't this a nice story for kids? So we get to verse 48 as Goliath and David said this, and the whole world will know the true God. The whole world will know that God is in Israel, right? So he moved closer to attack. Goliath moved closer to attack and David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it. I mean, a, a little boy hurled it with a slingshot. It hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in. I mean, this obviously wasn't David's little muscles. This was Yahweh. This was Almighty God hurling this stone through little old David. And Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. And if you keep on reading, it says David didn't have a sword. So he went over and grabbed Goliath's sword and then cut his head off to take back to King Saul. Yay, what a cute kid story. (laughs) It's like Noah's Ark is every kid's favorite story and everybody drowns. (laughs) (laughs) The way we tell things, you know. So much Christology, so much of Jesus is found in this story. Bear with me. David was a faithful shepherd who took care of his father's sheep. Sound familiar? Shepherds are strong and brave to defend the sheep against predators. Shepherds lead sheep in the right direction using their staff. Shepherds show the sheep where good food and water is found. Shepherds discipline the sheep when they get off path and get them back on. Right? Shepherds live a sacrificial life. Listen to me, new shepherds. Listen to me, anyone who wants to lead in any way in the kingdom of God. Shepherds live a sacrificial life. They give their life to protect the sheep. We know that it says David literally fought mountain lions and bears with this. And it says he'd kill them to protect the sheep. Often lived out in the desert, in the wilderness. With the sheep. It was a life of sacrifice to serve the sheep and really to serve the sheep's owner. In this case, David, for David, it was his father. Does that sound familiar? David, King David, eventually, is the shepherd king who foreshadows Jesus, the good shepherd who's the king of all kings, the one who lays his life down. For the sheep. In this story, David shows up to care for God's sheep, Israel, when everybody else chickens out. 
Sound familiar? He uses his staff and what? Stones. I picked these five. That one's definitely me. <laughs> Kwame. RJ, except RJ's bigger than me. Okay, we could keep going. And what are you talking about? You'll see. He uses his staff and stones to defeat the giant. The staff. Throughout the Bible, what does the staff represent? The word, right. His rod, his staff, they comfort me, right? It's how he cares for us by his word. The staff is the word. And the stones are five divine weapons. Five divine weapons. A little more Christology here. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he leads us with his voice, his word, right? He leads us with his word. He takes care of us with his word. He disciplines us with his word. He gets us on the right path with his word. He keeps us on the right path with his word. And Jesus also has given to us, God's people, God's family, some special gifts, some weapons, you could call them, from his shepherd's bag. From his what's bag? From his shepherd's bag. What are they? Well, I read the scripture, I'm going to read it to you here again, but Ephesians 4 calls them gifts. Now, this is important. You'll read in Romans 12, you'll read in 1 Corinthians about spiritual gifts. And the word says that every believer has a, a spiritual gift. But that's not these gifts. Come on, poke your neighbor and say, you have a gift. <laughs> Spiritual gifts come from the Holy Spirit and every believer in Christ can have them. But not every believer is called to be one of the five gifts given to the church. Okay? And look at me. I promise, not all y'all want to be one. It's a privilege and a great responsibility. Let me tell you a little bit about the difference, and then we're going to read and break it down just a little bit. These, the spiritual gifts, tongues and prophecy and healing and miracles... Those are all to just bless one another. They're gifts that we can have and use on one another. But the difference is that the five ministry gifts, okay, 
The actual person is the gift. Their life poured out for us, for the church, is the gift. The gifting and anointing on their life is the gift. Their sacrifice is the gift. It's not just a gift that like all of us have that we can minister to one another, but those that are called to the fivefold ministry, those that are the five stones, the five special divine weapons that God has given the church to equip us to defeat the giant. Come on, somebody. Their actual life is the gift. What is it for? Let's, these five gifts are five divine weapons that help the church stand up against and defeat the devil who's constantly taunting and defying us. They can't beat him on their own for us. We're about to read, they help us learn to beat him. They are the gifts that help us to win. Back to Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, and the pastors or shepherds and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people and to do his work, to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Five-fold leaders, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or commonly called pastor, teacher, a pest. Come on, say a pest. And like I said, some of them are a pest. All right. Sorry if I'm a pest sometimes, but it's just the way it is. I'm so thankful for our a pest team here at Encounter Church. It's one of the things, again, that I love so much. We saw it grow today from nine to 13. Now, this is a very big topic. And of course, you can learn a lot more about it. We'll learn a lot more about it in the future. But I want to keep it as plain and simple as I can. I want to give you what the job is and how they represent Christ, okay? Big topic, but let's look a little bit at the Christology of the A-Pest, of the five-fold ministry gifts. These are five representatives, say representatives, of Christ to his church. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher are five representatives of Christ to his church. Jesus is the ultimate and perfect apostle. The ultimate and perfect prophet, the ultimate and perfect evangelist, the ultimate and perfect good shepherd, and the ultimate greatest teacher. He is the a past. He is the fivefold leader. And the five that have been given to the church are representatives of him. These fivefold gifts are actually all shepherds. Okay? They're all a type of shepherd because each of these type of leaders lead and care for the church and help us to continue Jesus' ministry in the earth, right? These men and women should be, did I say they always are? They should be men and women of tested and proven character, immensely imperfect. Whew, thank you, Jesus. Don't have to be perfect, Right? Immensely imperfect, but their lives have been and are being smoothed out 
in the stream, in the river of tests and trials. And they live as an example for others to follow. What's their responsibility? We just read it. Come on, say equip and build. You guys with me? First of all, their responsibility is to equip us and train us to defeat the devil, to stand up, to be strong, to not be overcome by evil, but to overcome the evil one. To equip, it says, the body of Christ for the work of ministry. What is the work of ministry? The work of ministry is every single Christian's call and responsibility to bring Jesus into the earth, to bring the kingdom of God, for God through our lives to establish his kingdom in the earth as in heaven, for God to touch, to reach, to change the world through our lives. That's what Christians were called to do. And listen, the job of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is not for them to do all the work. We just read in Ephesians that they train us to do the work. Come on, say, that's me. Look at me. You have a work to do. You have a kingdom assignment on your life. God wants to use you to establish his kingdom through you in the earth. The fivefold ministry gifts are just here to help train us, to equip us. And then, of course, they fight alongside us, too. It's not like they stand up and they train us and then they go home and scratch their belly button and just watch us do all the fighting. I mean, some do. But we don't do that here, right? Okay. Not only to equip, but to build. To build us up through the word. To build us up through the word. To show us how to build the church by their example. In turn, as they build us up, we build each other up. Come on, tell somebody, I want to build you. Unfortunately, a lot of times Christians tear each other down. The job of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are to train us and equip us and help us so that we can be built up and build each other up, right? I don't know about you, but when Goliath comes after me, I don't want to be torn down. I want to be built up. I want to be strong. I want all of us to be built up and strong so that we can defeat the enemy. Amen? And their job is to... Build us, to equip us, and then build alongside us and with us. Let me tell you what they do very briefly. I'm going to give you the five. Come on, say A, A. pest. Also known as five-fold ministry gifts, okay? I'm going to tell you what they do. Are we ready? I'm going to tell you what each one of them does, and I'm going to give you one action word. It could be the most important word for each one of these. Ready? Apostles help us stay on mission. Their most important word is send. Apostle means sent one, okay? 
Apostles are sent on Jesus' great commission, and their biggest job is to help the whole church stay on mission, to keep going after the world, to bring people to Jesus, to keep the gospel moving forward until every nation, tribe, and tongue hears it. Apostles keep us on mission. Prophets help us stay faithful to God, and their word is listen, okay? Prophets listen to God and help us learn to listen to God so that we can stay faithful to him. How many of you are thankful for apostles and prophets? They help us stay on mission instead of getting sidetracked. They help us listen to the Lord so that we can stay faithful to him. I'm thankful for apostles and prophets. I'm also thankful for evangelists. Evangelists help us share the good news with the world. Their word is proclaim. Come on, somebody say proclaim. That's the typical picture of an evangelist, right? Right? The, the, the thing about evangelists is that they proclaim the good news to the world, but it's not just to the world. The evangelist's job for, in the church is to help us learn to proclaim, to share the gospel with the world. Then shepherds, often called pastors, does it matter what you say, shepherd or pastor? No, but two people don't normally call me shepherd hunter. I get pastor hunter sometimes, but... The actual word is shepherd, okay? And if we, if we say pastors, it would be apept, and that wouldn't be as cool. So, I mean, we could get peppy, but shepherds care, okay? Shepherds help us stay healthy and safe. Their thing is to care. Shepherds, pastors, care for us and equip us to care for one another. Look at me. It's not the few pastors' job to care for everybody. It's the pastor's job and responsibility to equip us to care for one another. So I don't like that church because the pastor don't pay me no mind. <sighs> Listen. I mean, I remember when we first started the church and there was just 20 or so of us. And I could pay everybody some mind. But 200 is a different story, y'all. And I promise you, even our team of 13 shepherds, apes, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they can't personally care for each and every one, but what they can do is equip all of us to care for one another as they care for us. Look at me. You are called to care for somebody else, and we're going to help you learn how. We're going to take the best care we can of you, but that's for you to also take care of others. Because in reality, we're all called to be like Jesus, the good shepherd. Come on, somebody say, I'm a shepherd. Uh-oh. And finally, we have teachers. Teachers help us practice God's word. Now, their big word, their most important word is learn. I've heard people say that the most important word is teach. To me, the most important word for a teacher is learn. Because teachers are always learning and helping us to learn. Teachers are always learning. If a teacher stops learning, he's not going to be a teacher much longer. Teachers are always learning to help other people learn. And the point of teachers, the purpose of teachers is to help us practice, to put into practice 
the word of God. Thank you, Jesus, for these five gifts, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm incredibly grateful in my life to have walked with apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, or shepherds and teachers that have taught me and helped me stay on mission and not get sidetracked in silly, goofy religion. I'm so thankful for prophets who have listened to God and helped me listen and often warned me of things. You ever been warned by a prophet? They have this look. I live with one. It's very interesting sometimes. She gets this look. We call it the prophetic eye. El ojo profético. They see things we don't often see. They hear things that we don't often hear. But the point is not for them to see it and to hear it, but to help us to see and to hear. They listen. I'm so thankful for evangelists who shared the word with me and who trained me to share the the good news with other people. And I've won many souls in my life and I can thank the evangelist, God's gift for training me for that. I'm so thankful that I've had shepherds, I've had pastors who've walked with me and taken care of me and given me good food, taught me the word of God and instead of junk, right? And taught me how to take care of other people. I'm so thankful for teachers who never stop learning so that they can help me learn. Are you thankful? Thank you, Jesus, for your gifts to the church. I thank Jesus for his representatives that build us and train us to be like him. He's such a good shepherd. He's such a good shepherd that for his body, he's given us these five stones these five special gifts who lead us with his word. Just to recap, before we worship some more. We ready? Apostles, they're sent, they send, they help keep us on mission. Prophets, they listen to God and teach us and help us to listen. Evangelists proclaim the good news and help us, equip us to share the good news with others. Shepherds or pastors care for us and help us and equip us and teach us to care for one another so that we can stay healthy and strong. And teachers, they learn and never stop learning so that they can teach us, so that we can learn to practice God's word. I am so thankful for the five-fold ministry gifts. Not so much, look at me. This is the end of this, okay? It's gonna be a very important moment of prayer here in just a second. So I wanna, I wanna encourage if we could avoid getting up and down, going in and out just for a minute, okay? I'm thankful for the prophet, the, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd and the teacher. I'm thankful for their lives, but listen, even more, it's okay. Even more, you know why I'm thankful for the five ministry gifts? Because through them, we get to know Jesus more. 
they're a revelation of Jesus. Imperfect. 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 But a revelation, an, a, a picture of Jesus for us to, to follow. If you're called to be one of these, because I know not just the 13 of us ordained here at Encounter Church, I know there are many more of you that are called. You just maybe you don't know it yet. Your life is meant to be a picture, an example, a model. To keep the church on mission, to help us listen and be faithful. To share the good news. To care for one another, to put God's word into practice. And I'm thankful for the five gifts because they represent him. Look at me. The only safe place because Goliath, he's out there. The enemy roams about like a lion, roar, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is after you, my friend. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. And the only safe place is in the flock. The only safe place in this world is to follow the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you entered into his family? Have you entered into the sheepfold? Have you decided to surrender your life to the good shepherd, to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you given your heart? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you been born again? I tell you, it's the only safe place. Have you joined God's family, the church, where you can be cared for, where you can learn, where you can receive a purpose, a mission, where you can listen, learn to listen to God? If you entered into his family, I tell you, God wants you to defeat the devil. But you've got to be in Jesus' flock. Just for a moment, if I could ask everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. This is a moment of introspection, a moment to take a look of on what's really on the inside of you because. Maybe there are some here today who you know you're not following the good shepherd. If Goliath came out to meet you today, he would eat your lunch. Jesus wants to deliver you good news is he already defeated Satan for us. He already, just like David, by God's power, defeated the giant. Jesus, the son of God, went to the cross. And he became sin for us.
he knocked that giant down. He actually took death itself upon himself. And then he rose again, defeated death. He defeated that giant too. Sin and death are defeated by Jesus Christ. And the word says that anyone who calls on his name will be saved. I want to urge you today, call on the name of Jesus. More than just words on your lips, more than just a prayer, but truly from your heart, cry out to Jesus and he will save you. He will save you from your sin. He will save you and set you free from your addiction. He will save you. He'll set you free from that hopeless pit you find yourself in. He'll pull you out. He'll set your feet on firm ground. He'll bring you into his family where you'll find care and safety and be trained and equipped to overcome. But you've got to give your life to Jesus. And so today, before we move on to anything else, if you are not following Jesus, if you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, or at some point you said yes to Jesus, but today you know you're not following Jesus. If today you need to give your life to Jesus and right now you wanna make that decision, I want you to just lift your hand up real quick in the air and say, that's me. You can pop it up and put it back down. Okay, who else says that's me? Who wants to give your life to Jesus? Praise God for you. Who else says that's me? I wanna give my life. Or maybe, maybe you've given your life to Jesus before, but you are not close to him and you need to come back to him today. If you've been backslidden, you need to come back home. Lift your hand and wave and say, that's me. Okay, praise God for you. Anybody else? Listen, whether you lifted your hand or not, if that's you, we're gonna pray a prayer all together as a family. And in fact, I'm gonna invite the whole family to say it. But I wanna invite you who's making this decision today, pray it with your whole heart. Call out to Jesus and you'll be saved. Let's pray together. Jesus, come on, let's call out to him. Jesus, you are the champion. Jesus, you came. You took on sin. You took on death. You died on the cross. And you rose again. You defeated Satan. You defeated sin. You defeated death. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, risen from the dead. King of all kings, Jesus, today, right now, I turn away from sin and I turn my life over to you. Jesus, save me. Jesus, I make you my king. I wanna follow you the rest of my days. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.